Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. Gospel reading from the 10th chapter of John. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep, hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by the name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, who came before me are thieves and bandits. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find a pastor. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, my siblings in Christ. Well, whose voice can we trust? On Monday, two major cable news networks determined that they no longer trusted the voice of one of their most recognizable hosts. On the same day, Fox and CNN eliminated a shepherd from their network. You know, in business or media or entertainment, these decisions happen. They'll move on. We'll move on. New voices will quickly fill the void. But both of them spoke words inconsistent with the message that their their network wanted to convey. Providing the wrong message to a flock has consequences. And so delivering the right message, even if it's not generally accepted, is what a shepherd is tasked to do. Yet even a shepherd with good intentions might not always be heard. You know, that's exactly what Jesus was facing. You know, he knew that his message wouldn't be accepted universally, that there would be resistance to be part of his flock. And so the story that we heard this morning, we hear about how this happens, and it would benefit us to know what's going on around this story in John 10. You see, Jesus isn't just pulling some story out of the blue about being a shepherd without a specific audience in mind. Before Easter, we heard a story from John 9. It was a story about a man who was born blind, and 
if you think about it, it all kind of flows together really well with what this story was trying to get us to capture and to understand. Even though the man born blind was clearly able to see again, the people in his community and the religious leaders were so confused that they thought it was a completely different person. They didn't even think he was the same guy who could possibly have been the one begging, and now he can see. So they, the Pharisees especially, try to dig to the bottom of it. They even ask his parents, and they don't want to get thrown out of the community, so they don't want to own the truth. They say, let our son speak for himself. In this time and in this moment, Jesus calls those Pharisees blind, spiritually blind. How, how can you not see what is clearly right in front of you? I think the Pharisees often get thought of as the, the bad guys in the story, but, you know, they're skeptics. They're worried about their reputation. They're worried about Jesus threatening their livelihood and their version of the truth. How often do we make decisions out of self-preservation? You know, at the very least, I think we can understand the deep power struggle that the Pharisees were wrestling with. They'll go to great lengths to discredit the man who was born blind, who's now in the presence of Jesus. And now, they're going to have a strong reaction to what Jesus has to teach. You know, when Jesus continues this teaching, they gather around and they're listening to him again. And he calls out the thieves and bandits. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I wonder who Jesus is referring to as the thief. Do you think they think it's them? If you're told that about yourself, it doesn't sit well. You don't want to be called out. So they go on the offensive. They start asking him questions too. Oh, great, buddy. You think you're the Messiah or something? Well, Jesus isn't going to make it easy on him. And so when they try to push for that type of an answer, he responds to the leaders of the Pharisees and the people in the synagogue And he says, the works that I do in my father's name testify to me. But you don't believe because you don't belong to my sheep. You're not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father, in regard to what he has given to me, is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of the father's hand. The father and I are one. You know, after all of the miracles all the fulfillments of the signs, all the teachings about the, king, uh, about the kingdom, aren't they convinced? Is this the teaching that he says that finally brings it home to him, to them, that, oh, yeah, this is the Messiah? Nope. After hearing this, this is their response. They took up stones again, to stone Jesus. Who are you saying you're one with the Father? Blasphemy. They try to arrest him. They want to kill him. Remember what Jesus said about the thieves? The thief only comes to kill and destroy and steal. What are they doing? 
Isn't that exactly what's happening? But he escapes. They don't catch him this time. And in the face of danger, Jesus is not deterred. The mission stays the mission. And you think about what is Jesus really all about? About life and having it abundantly. This concept of abundant life, what exactly does that mean? Abundant life isn't just some formula that believing in God is going to give us abundant riches and wealth in our bank accounts. Abundant life is not about keeping up with the Joneses. Does having what others have make us happy? I mean, it can. But is that all the life? Isn't life more fulfilling when we're seeking out what is fulfilling to us and not what we think other people will perceive to be fulfilling? Trying to measure up to others is exhausting. It's not life-giving at all. It's not healthy. No, abundant living goes beyond material possessions. It's about something that we gain through a life listening to Christ. Abundant life is fulfillment. It's about meaning and purpose, but then actually living those out. When I was in college, I think I spent more time in the career counseling center than anybody I knew. When you go to college and you're undeclared, and then by the time you're a sophomore, if you don't have everything figured out, you get a lot of questions. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. I took as many career assessments as I could. I went to job fairs. I sought out mentors. I found mentors in the writing world, in the journalism world, in the business world. I had an internship with an entrepreneurial company selling office furniture. I did all sorts of things to try to find something that stuck. I wanted to take a career assessment test that was going to just spit out exactly what I should do so I didn't have to think about it anymore. I desperately needed an answer to the question, so what are you going to do when you grow up? I ended up teaching English abroad, which brought, it bought me some more time. And I certainly found an abundance of memories, but I think that's more likely because Taryn was with me on those journeys. Yet when we returned home, I was grown up, but I still had no idea about what I wanted to, to be. And so one of the first things that we did was we joined a church in Edina. And I think about the values that Pastor Dan would speak about and how some of the things he said really hit home to me. I wanted to be the type of Christian, after hearing him, that lived for others. I wanted to be the type of Christian that could be re relied upon, that I could share the abundant life. I had no idea that once it was out of my hands and it was in God's hands and I could recognize that, that everything would start to make sense to me. I realized how being part of a faith community at that time showed me a partnership with a local school, how they had a reading program and they supported them with food. I met leaders who volunteered their time. I met people who had this abundance of generosity and kindness and people who were devoted to praying for others. Even our youngest son, who at the time was going through so much with medical challenges. 
I realized when I got asked to serve on church council and be the treasurer that there was an opportunity for me to learn about the difference that the church could make in the world and how churches in communities can really make a difference when we're obedient to what Jesus asks us to do. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as I think back that the church's name was Shepherd of the Hills. You know, I listened to the voice of the shepherd and it began to click to me what abundant life really was. And it wasn't just the voice of the pastor. It was the staff. It was the other members. It was the friends that we'd have coffee with. The friends who also had kids who were in the youth program. It was the entire flock. When I stopped looking, I found what I was looking for all along. And at 25, for the first time spiritually, I felt like a grown-up. And then everything else kind of fell into place. You know, eventually I discerned a call into ordained ministry, and here I am. But life within that church community changed me. It changed my heart. It changed my understanding of purpose in life. And it truly helped me understand how the church could make a difference. Now we think about our congregation today. Faith Lutheran, the depth of care that Christ has instilled in this congregation, you're showing it at every turn. We get to be part of something special here. We get to be witnesses to the world. And all backgrounds are welcome. Economic status, identity, age, even spiritual maturity, all of these levels are welcome here to be able to be part of this flock, to be present here. And at Faith, we are part of a larger flock. We are called to care for each other, to pray for each other, to learn from each other, and to serve with each other, to physically and spiritually be the body of Christ. So whose voice can we trust? Whose voice is leading this flock? It's the voice of the good shepherd. We trust Jesus because through Christ, we have life and we have it abundantly. Amen. We hope these words will strengthen you as you live out your daily life. If you would like to know more about Faith Lutheran, leave a prayer request, or financially support our mission and ministry, please go to our website at faithfl.org. May God bless you in the days ahead.